Welcome to the Entertainment Engine. Hello, my name is Peter Moore. And I'm Bex Gregory. And welcome to the next episode of the Entertainment Engine. The idea behind this podcast is to provide clarity and information on the entertainment industry for new bands and artists, as well as existing creative industry people who are looking just to brush up on their knowledge. You can listen to us on all streaming platforms and be sure to subscribe to the podcast so you never miss an episode. If you want to learn more about what we do on a day-to-day basis, then please visit our website, seamlessentertainment.co.uk. Each week, we'll be bringing you an in-depth area of the entertainment industry. Also on the show, Bex has the facts of the day and a question for this week for our listeners. And now, we are joined by a very special guest this week, Laura Hank. Laura is music supervisor at Universal Production Music. The Universal Production Music heritage has evolved over decades into a diverse and comprehensive collection of labels, with offices in over 20 countries and an international network of sub-publishers, their reach and service levels are truly global. With over 45 albums released each month, the Universal Production Music catalogue covers all genres, moods, emotions and project types and is created by an ever-expanding roster of hugely talented artists and composers around the globe, alongside in-house creative teams dedicated to diversity, quality and authenticity. Laura handpicks tracks for clients and makes sure the right brief is met with the right tracks. Here is the chat we had with Laura earlier this week. Well, good afternoon and welcome to the Entertainment Engine this afternoon. We have a really special guest today. I'd like you to all welcome Laura Hank from Universal Music Productions. Laura, how are you? Hi. Um, yeah, I'm doing really well. Thank you to looking outside the window and it's proper grim but I feel grateful to be inside in the heat. How are you guys? Yeah, we're doing good. You know, it's a um, little bit the same here, actually. Rain and a bit cold, but uh, but we're doing all right. We're doing okay. <laughs> exactly. exactly. The sun's coming out, so I'm all having a conversation, so it can't be that bad. <laughs> <laughs> so how was, um, how was your weekend, Laura? Anything exciting did you get up to? Yeah, it was actually quite, it was really lovely. I went back to Denmark last week, where I'm from, um, to visit my family and my five-month-old little niece. And she's just the sweetest thing. So it was really lovely just spending time with family, taking a few days off and just embracing that. Yeah, so that was my weekend. Well, well that, that's um, that's really interesting because I was fortunate to go to Denmark last year actually for a couple of days to play football and uh, it was for the um, the ex-England team. I don't know if you saw it but it was the Danish team that won the European Championship back in I think 92. They were doing a fitness regime so where did an England team send out and it was, it was fantastic. The food was great, um, people were great, first time in Denmark. Yeah I loved it, it was mm. really good fun. Yeah I remember working there a few years back now and uh... Yes, yeah, so just people are just really friendly and nice. I just had a really great experience there. So, uh, yeah. So how long have you been living over here in the UK now? So I've been here for about six years. Yeah, I think actually it was September 2014 that I moved. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's gone so quick, but at the same time, it's been a really long time. When you um, went back to Denmark over the weekend, Laura, did you have trouble with um, flying or um, social distancing? And, you know, how, how was that experience? Do you know what? I think 
Well, it's so it seems at least that the the, the Danish kind of government and, and the people there kind of have it under control. So it's it was super easy. Um, I, I was able to get tests in the airport. It was really, really simple. I quarantined for three days just to make sure that I hadn't brought anything back like from the UK to there. So it, it didn't feel as, as scary as I had imagined, which was really just amazing that I was still being able to go back and visit my family without having the hassle. But now I'm isolating for two weeks coming back. So I guess that's the consequence of going there. <laughs> Yeah, it's just strange times we're living in, really. Just, I mean, how how have you found London at the moment? Is it is it many people walking around, or have you? Is it just a bit sort of like a ghost town at the moment? Oh, that's a good question. I think oh, it was such a ghost town right in the beginning. Oh my gosh, it was really bizarre. I went for a walk in South Bank, and it was like like they empty. There was nobody there, and it's it's normally really busy with tourists and people rushing somewhere so seeing London in that bizarre state was just completely new to me but I do feel like now it's become a bit more populated and just people actually maybe coping with it a bit better actually looking up and actually smiling to strangers not avoiding people just as much but yeah of course it's strange it's a really strange time I'm sure you can you can agree with that yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's just trying to adapt, isn't it? Sort of like a new normal, yeah. really. It's um, it's yeah. scary, really, to to know what's what the future holds, really. But you you do you just got to keep your chin up, haven't you? And just do the best you can. Oh yeah, so. definitely. Nothing else we can do. No, not really. And I think um, sort of sort of leads me on, really, Laura. To sort of really because you've been in London for a while. So tell us a little bit about your journey so far. And obviously, you mentioned Denmark. You know, how did you start in the music industry and what sort of attracted you to the industry, really? Oh, it's a good question. I always, I always love hearing other people's stories because it just tells you a lot about a person and it's very really fascinating. Um, but I come from more the creative side or I suppose you can say the performance side of music. So I've grown up in a music family in the classical music industry. So whilst I was growing up, we, I was listening to Mozart and Bach and and all of those I really... <laughs> more like older composers and then I've been singing in the Danish National Girls Choir for about 10 years which was just an incredible introduction to the music industry and the things that I've learned there has just been invaluable in what I'm doing now and then I realized maybe through my teenage years that I I just wanted to to just learn more and I got a bit interested in like electronic music and you know the whole tech side of things like how do you record stuff like what software can you use plugins and things like that which led me on to wanting to apply for university in London and as we all know London is just or the UK is as well it's just such a, an incredible place for just music whether that's education that's practical there's network all of it is just bigger than Little Denmark for five million people. So that brought me here. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, I don't know. Then I just, I wanted to learn more about the industry as well. So I already had a lot of experience in the performance side, but I didn't really know much about the business and production and publishing. So the degree that I took was mixed between all of those things, which was really helpful, just understanding and learning more about how, so now what, you finished your track, then what, and how do you actually share it with the world and what smart way to do that and how can you connect and and so on no that's i mean again that's really refreshing to hear because i think um you know coming from you know that side of 
of the industry and, and you know, you're immersing yourself in the creative side and then suddenly, you know, wanting to come on to sort of like the business angle is, is really interesting, especially as a as a young lady in the industry. I think it's really sort of encouraging, really. Yeah, well, hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that's all, you know, I think that's all we can, um, you know, we can expect. And I think you just have to really sort of roll your sleeves up and, Mm. go for it the best you possibly can really it's sort of taking on what you just said as well laura again i find really interesting because in the world today there's so many you know female music executives mm. which ones inspire you today with the likes of say jody gerson who's chairman and ceo of universal music publishing yeah and you've also got michelle anthony executive vice president of universal music group and she oversees all the labels and obviously both ladies sit on the board do you see yourself in that position one day or running your own label how do you feel about that i really like this question and i think especially being like you said a young woman in the industries it's kind of encouraging seeing that you have all kinds of women of different sort of personality that are in those positions um also in the leader of universal production music uk jane was my MD. Um, she's yep. she's also incredible, um, but she's very different from Jodie. I'm, I'm haven't met Michelle, um, but I love that that's a possibility, and that women are able to be of that, you know, that state of position. I think in terms of for me, I'm not sure if it's if it's going to be that particular position, but I've definitely always been into leadership and. And, and I want to make a difference and I've definitely wanted to, to maybe sounds a bit cheesy, but be a role model for other young women. Um, mm. from a, you know, I've, I guess my, my kryptonite has always been, I look really young. And so sometimes I don't really get taken serious. And it's just, you know, that's a bit of an old story, but it's just, I think I wanted to create a maybe female empowerment, but you don't need to look like a man or you don't need to be butch or loud or aggressive. You can be who you are. And then you just happen to be a woman or whoever, and you can still be a leader with those qualities. Yeah, yeah, I can agree with you more. Really, it's um, partly that's why we, you know, we started up the podcast really because mm-hmm. you know, it's to make that awareness. I think the, the awareness is there now, especially with more and more women coming into the industry. But mm-hmm. I know what you mean, like hearing you say, like where women aren't always taken seriously. You know, a man could say exactly the same thing, but if, mm-hmm. if says it it's not quite right or it doesn't quite fit right so uh, yeah, I yeah I I hear what you're saying there completely so it'd be great yeah to see how you develop through the ranks of what you're doing and to be empowering in that in that uh, way and I think sort of touching on that from my perspective so from a male perspective I think it's good to have both sides of the spectrum really Laura and you know mm-hmm. I worked with Becky for a long time and I think if you've got a male and a female you know pushing forward on a project or a company I think you've got both better aspects of what people can bring to the table really and I just think it mm-hmm. just makes more for a, a diverse and just interesting way to work to be honest with you oh for sure yeah I'm not saying that you should you shouldn't have both because I would definitely believe that um for sure I think it's just like you said you hit the nail on the head it's like having diversity of all kinds it's just that gives strength to everybody to have that yeah exactly and I think you know as big as you know universal is biggest label in the world they still want to look for working with good people they still want great mm-hmm. bands to come through the door because it's the lifeblood of the company and whether that's whatever person that is or whatever nationality that person is i don't yeah. think it really matters as long as it's got talent and the company can work with them yeah. I'm, I'm all for that yeah yeah 
definitely. So Laura, how did the actual music supervision role come about at Universal Music Productions? I see you started out as the junior music supervisor for a short while, and now I can see you're coming up and progressing through the ranks as a music supervisor. So it must be all really exciting for you. I mean, yeah, I think, um, again, it's just sometimes the world is just the most random place. Like the reason why I applied for Universal was because of a girl I used to live with. Her primary school friend had posted on his Facebook that his internship was up for, for like renewal or whatever. They were looking for a new person. And I just messaged him and was like, oh, can I ask you about that internship that you were doing? He's like, yeah, of course you can. And the, so then I applied. At the time I applied, that, that position was no longer available, but I just kept in touch with like the HR team at Universal. And I probably was quite pleasantly persistent because she said like the woman on the phone, she was like, oh, there's no jobs at the moment. And I was like, that's fine. Do you mind if I call in a week? she was like yeah that's fine so I called her in a week and there was still nothing and then maybe after like maybe four six weeks I got an interview so I think it it wasn't just like oh yeah you know you're so lucky no I was working hard for it and I kept calling I didn't know what was going to happen but that ended me that ended up being in the production music which was kind of what I wanted which was really unfortunate and lucky um and then I just progressed I guess the good thing about being in a big corporation like Universal and that's an incredible company and really good people to work with is that there is level of growth you can start somewhere and you can grow within that role and you can kind of shape it to to what capacity that you want as well so that's been really good for me obviously you start somewhere you it's not going to be you sit on a pile of gold of course not however whenever you stay somewhere and you grow with a team and with a department and with a company and with music and your clients, I believe that that's where you actually see the difference and the change because now I've known people, I've been there for nearly three years, like that's given me some valuable knowledge that I wouldn't be without. Yeah. No, and I think, again, it's really refreshing, Laura, because picking up what you just said about you was lucky, well, I don't think it was luck because it takes me back when I was, you know, younger and, running around London and trying to get a job and it took me a while to get a job and but when people say oh you're lucky you got a job with Universal you're lucky you got mm-hmm. a job working with no XYZ no 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 it's called you you get off your backside and you work hard and then you <laughs> reap the rewards and I think it, yeah. it's, it's a lot of effort and to get yeah. a job at Universal or any company today mm-hmm. is hard work to be honest with you yeah you said was to you know perseverance isn't it and persistence to get through and get that message across and uh Sometimes that does reap the rewards, you know, and it clearly has for you, which is great. And, you know, it brings me on to as well, you know, with you being part of the world's leading production music catalogue, working mm. across a broad variety of briefs, what would you say are the positives and negatives that you have faced in this role so far? Oh, I like this question. I think, <laughs> you know what, I think that it was quite surprising to start working there because I, I don't know, it was just different than what I had imagined. Like what I really like is the fact that I get to work on some really cool briefs. It's like sometimes, I, it's literally the biggest variety of things. It can be anything from like, I did an advert for a mattress to like drones for this super cool documentary. It's literally across the board. So it's like a, a palette of different colors that you can just kind of pick and choose from. And so that's really cool that there's variety there, but also, you know, seeing what I've been working on like come to fruition seeing an ad that you placed or something you worked on that just makes a really big difference you know oh actually what the work that I'm doing 
makes a difference. Like it's actually being used somewhere. I'm not just sitting in my own little world pitching music and it's not going anywhere. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then and then also what recently has been in, incorporating my role in you know as production music has been working with the production team. So like what's coming out of from the UK side. So obviously we also have third party labels, but in-house, what's coming out, what's being released. And I have a say in that, like what gaps do we have in the library and you know, all of that stuff. But um, I guess the negative side is there is still a little bit of a weird perception of production music. People don't know what it is. They think it's stock music. They think sound bad just because it's called production music. And yeah, I guess that's that's a little bit confusing sometimes where people like they don't really know what it is. And I don't blame them because there's not really a lot of information out there. So maybe that's great. We're having this chat to maybe bring a bit more awareness and um a classic negative is deadlines clients always say hey i need this in 10 minutes now yeah <laughs> i need it yesterday it's like yeah but you should have thought about that pretty earlier yeah. hurry up and wait hurry up and wait yeah, like, just go away. <laughs> exactly and that's actually also what's what i didn't even realize was a negative thing is that i sometimes just overanalyze if i watch tv i'm always like oh I wonder what this track is from. I was like, oh, that sounds a bit like our catalogue. So I think that's like maybe like a work damage that you get from working in, in any sort of industry is that can't switch off. <laughs> yeah. I think also as well, Laura, one of the ones that we faced is this, this is the great one. So if a, a movie producer comes to us and says, oh, I've got, you know, it's an X, Y, Z, it's, you know, X budget of 10 million or, or whatever the budget might be. Mm. And they always forget about music. They always think they can go and actually license a U2 song for 10 quid. And you're like, what planet are you on? What, what planet are you on? We, we've had it regularly where they go, oh, we've got $1,000 and we want a David Bowie song. You're like, what? I mean, come on. No. <laughs> no, no. Yeah. Copyright. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah just yeah. call that little thing called copyright and the master. It's a little bit difficult. <laughs> <That's> difficult. <laughs> So you're right, you know, bringing the awareness to it is important, really, you know. It helps everybody, doesn't it, if everyone's on the same page? <laughs> oh, yeah, definitely. Exactly. And this really leads me into, Laura, with, with your comments here, what I found really, um, <laughs> really interesting. With all the briefs that you deal with at Universal, are they solely just for your signed acts and composers on the roster? Or, you know, can the indie acts submit some music? And if they can, how do they go about this? What's the sort of process they can follow? I think that's a really good question. I think that's where actually production music maybe pays in the favour that we have a library full of tracks and that is literally everything from, you know, your classical, maybe natural history kind of sounding type music to more of your, yeah, you, like you said, the more like indie band, you also have a bit more like, you know, your classic pop tunes, more commercial sounding. So it's across the board. And what I really like about the universal composers, as we call them, or producers, whatever you like to call it, um, is that we're working with a lot of people. So there's no, how do you say, like, there's no like, oh, we're only working with five. No, there's literally a palette of so many people. And the good thing about production music is, is that, okay, let's say that somebody's written an album, that's great, you know, that's there, but that can have multiple uses across different um, media. So that can be both, for example, on a podcast, or it can be on advert, it can be in TV. So it's not limited, which is great, because that means, so I'm in the music supervision team, I sit and pitch music to clients for particular briefs. That means that I can reuse tracks that I just love and I think would fit really well 
to a particular brief that then can get picked up again and again, which is really useful. Yeah. No, I think I think that's really great advice as well. And I think again, that maybe comes back to the comment you made earlier, Laurel, about you know, you pitched to work at Universal and it took you a while to get a job and you was in that mm. lady's, you know, the HR team's face in a nice way. And I think that's probably could be said for the music supervision. If you've got an act approaching you or a producer that said, this is the type of music that we got and they're contacting you, no, not every day, but, you know, every month to say what they're doing and, and the level of music that they've got, they're in your sort of face in a nice way and you won't forget who they are. Oh, definitely. And I think something that um, Universal has, has in the past uh, year and a half, two years worked on is a concept called 100% Her. So in in line with um, International Women's Day, they were yep. releasing an all-female album, which was great. But for that particular album, it was more demo submission. So normally how it works is that we're releasing albums and then we'll get composers writing to, like for that. But for this particular album, there's a new one coming out um, that's actually just been released. The the link for submission is that women that have been writing tracks can just submit a track that's really great that they can get featured on that direct album. So that's already the stuff that has been made that can be released, which is really, and I think that will probably be another concept will continue in the future, different genres, because it's just great awareness and maybe also great for, for people that are starting off their careers as a creative to get on the spectrum within composing for big corporations. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. I think it's great for like the new, the unsigned, you know, that undiscovered sort of composer, you know, that are doing really good things, but maybe they just don't get that awareness and they're not getting that break. So yeah. I think that's a great platform to be able to, you know, work with, you know, team like Universal. I mean, you can't get really better than that. So it's a a great thing i think so and i think i think also as well it it's if you, you know from my perspective if you look back at what laura's doing she's on the hunt for good music as well so if she's got like mm. a plethora of people around her that bringing really great music and they're really great masters and they're finished and the rights are all cleared then again it's a great opportunity for that artist to at least be pitched in front of universal which they wouldn't normally not yeah. they wouldn't normally get but they probably wouldn't think they would be able to do it exactly. because it's universal basically yeah so the, the perception of people's minds is, well, they're going to use you too, or it's going to be Beyonce, or it's going to be Jay-Z. Well, no, it might be you. You might do a really great track for a, for a Guinness advert or, I don't know, a water ad, and they might want to use it. Yeah, they get the chance. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, no, I think that's all power to your elbow on that one. I think that's great news. Um, and I think, again, that sort of leads nicely into, Laura, I know, or looking up, Believe Universal released about 45 albums a month. Um, So the Universal Production Music Catalog, you cover all sorts of genres, emotions and and project types, really. What is your genre of expertise and do you get involved in the whole pitch? I know you sort of touched on that a little bit, but Mm -hmm. and how does the process usually work? So do do you pitch to the the job? Does the job come into you? And how does that sort of sort of work, really? I really like this question because I think it might clarify <laughs> how everything works. So so I'm in the music supervision team, which basically just means that we are a team of, of a few people that make the playlist directly from our library. But that comes from briefs that have been sent to us. So there's also a sales team that will then will work on new business. Um, briefs probably will come in from either existing clients or new clients saying, hi, I need music. I'm making this sort of production. This is what I'm kind of looking for. And sometimes you get a really detailed brief and like, oh, I need they will come with keywords or genre or instruments. Maybe they have like a lyric request. Or you can have people that say, oh, um, 
uh, oh, I'm just looking to kind of fill this kind of production. What do you have in mind? So it's very different what you get. But I guess what what my job is as well is kind of translating what somebody, what an editor or a client is saying and translating that into what I think the music would be like. So sometimes it kind of falls them back, say, oh, this is something you had in mind. If not, give me feedback and I narrow it down. Or sometimes you just kind of, it's like a one thing, you know what they're looking for. You just kind of send it off. And then, of course, we have the production team that are then working on creating new material and being in touch with composers of all sorts to then bring out new music of all kinds to make sure that we're not missing out on any sort of genre trends um, and whatnot. Yeah, no, again, that's um, a really interesting point, Ron. I think another point for me, with Universal producing so many movies as well, do you, does your team just automatically have the same picture music for those particular productions or is it still left up to the producer to go and choose the music from where they want to pick the music from really or do you get the first shout on that? That's a really good question. I really like this. Obviously, editor, producer, you can go find the music yourself by all means. You can get an account on our website. You can just find whatever you want and use that. But if uh, I guess what the difference is between an agency and the universal production music is that we don't charge for music searches. So if you want to have a search done, that's cool. We'll do it for free. And then you pay for whatever track that you want to license, yeah. is, which is really good. Because if you go to an agency, maybe a freelancer music supervisor, they'll charge for the search. So maybe you'll be more inclined to go about yourself. But if you, as we just established mm-hmm. before, have no time because you didn't think about the music in the first place or you want somebody who's sitting with it day in and day out to just give their take, that can be a really useful just opportunity there is right there yeah again it probably talks all day long because that's a really interesting point and i i think just another area for me and i'm glad you picked up on this with some of the media agencies because in the past we've spoken to some of the media agencies we've had composers and, and producers that wanted to submit music and the biggest bugbear that we've tend to find is that the agency will always say oh we've, we've got this pitch for xyz brand and we want you know, six composers, and if your music gets chosen, great. If it doesn't, then don't worry. Mm. Okay, that's fine. But the problem is, is that producers and songwriters are fed up actually putting music together, pitching it, and mm. just being chucked in the waste bin. And I think a lot of that has been down to media agencies not really understanding the briefs that they've got from a brand, not yeah. conveying that to the producer or the songwriter. And it, you, you just end up losing creative people because they're fed up doing stuff for nothing, really. Yeah, mm. yeah. I'd agree with that. And finding out, I think maybe that's why it's because I like, even though that the sales team would be predominantly working with clients, I sometimes just like having the dialogue with the clients just to understand their world and understand who they are as a person and what do they like. I'm like, I'm just working on a on a documentary series now. And I was speaking with the editor on the phone because he was like, Well, I really don't like, you know, mood music. It needs to be very specific for the particular program and I said that's great you know but let me let me know about you maybe that's why also people are really interesting because the more I know about a person and what kind of personality are they what the language the better I'm doing my job so that will make it more efficient and delightful so I'm not being frustrated because I don't understand what you mean and you're not being frustrated with me because I actually listened to what you said um so at least that's been very um I've learned that through just I don't know speaking and trial and error for sure yeah <laughs> interesting people sure yeah say. lots of different characters yeah can I have the U2 song for 10 quid no <laughs> no no, no. <laughs> yeah. 
just looking at some of the projects obviously undertaken at Universal, um, you know, like the Guinness Clear and mm. Nike Online, the Global Campaign, and even the movie The King of Thieves and Stan and Ollie. I mean, these all these films are really, really great. Good fun. Uh, yeah, yeah, they're good yeah. fun. But, you know, yeah. were you involved in any of those specific projects, Laura? Or, you know, maybe tell us a little bit about some of your favourite projects that you've been involved in and how they came about. Um, I actually wasn't uh, in over those ones, but I do remember the Guinness Clear very well, um, and also the King of Thieves, Den of Thieves. Yeah, that was really predominant. That was good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Really good. such a really brilliant way of. Um, that was fun. Yeah, that was fun. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, sure. But some of my favourites has been quite broad terms. I, w- I worked on Locked Up Abroad, which is uh, kind of like a TV series on on people that um, that get drugs from all kind of the world and try to to get into the states or whatnot and then they get found out and then go into prison wherever the country they're in which is a bit morbid but it was really interesting because it was a bit more creative it was a bit more I actually used some of my brain rather than oh can we get a super classic drug (laughs) it was a bit more oh can you find something that really worked for this sort of scene and they would send me the edit and I was like that was a bit interesting a bit time consuming as well but it was totally worth it and then I recently landed a McDonald's ad, which was um, always good fun to shout out. Oh, well, yeah. The random track, but hey, it was good. It was good fun. It was a bit of dialogue for the back. Can we get something like this? Oh, maybe they changed their minds, they changed directions. It was good. It's quite interesting being in the process rather than just being sent like, oh, can we just find something like this, like uh, upbeat, uh, funky, and then you just find it and you never hear anything else again. It's nice knowing, oh, yeah, you actually picked my track. Great. Good to know that. Yeah. <laughs> <And> then, <laughs> right. And then the last one I was going to mention was a fashion ad for the brand called Matches, which I didn't know when I pitched at the time. But last year, and I think it was November time, it won an award at the Production Music Awards for the best use of digital advertising, which was super cool. Oh, wow. Um, and I guess you really? never know when you sit with it that, that that's the outcome. But it's great seeing that, you know, the work that you've been doing has, has grown to fruition and and done something cool so yeah that's been really fun yeah yeah especially being involved in you know that those level of those projects and just the creative side of it isn't it like you say rather than just going oh here's a song take it or leave it sort of thing you know you're actually getting involved with it and seeing how visual works with music so and it really makes a difference doesn't it you know, I just love watching different films and the music, the soundtrack. I mean, I often say to Pete, you know, I say, oh, you know, say, say for example, like Faster the movie, you know, and, and the soundtrack, it just makes it, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. It just really transforms everything, the acting and just the emotion, doesn't it? So, yeah, it's important. Yeah, I agree with you so much. No, absolutely. I think one of the things that stood out for me as well, Laura, and again, I've said to Becky, the, the production values that are really high in some of the Netflix and Amazon Amazon mm-hmm. productions and the music level, the, the composition, and even like yeah. you say, some of the scenes where they just got, even if it's 15, 10 seconds of, of a piece of music, it just makes it for me. Because if you take the music out of the production, it doesn't mm-hmm. work. And as I've always learned and I've known, you know, mm-hmm. music was born out of film. Film came first and then music was born from that. So it sort of works. It works really well, really. Mm, that's so interesting. And I really like that you said that because... That makes you just think about it differently. Like if you were to switch off the visual, what would you think about the music? What, what would that make you feel? Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, I, I've watched, um, again, Becky put me onto this. I watched the, the Greatest Showman at the weekend. Mm-hmm. And um, 
I'm not massive on. I mean, I love Hugh Jackman. I think he's great. And um, he, and I thought I'm not massive on musicals. But I thought, no, I'm going to watch that. And I must say, the soundtrack on that was really, really good. I thoroughly enjoyed watching the watching the movie. Mm. Very good writing. Yeah, it's really good. I like it too. Yeah, it's it yeah. brilliant. He's great and the, the music was, was really good. And I do think, I mean, sometimes I've had arguments in the past where people say, oh, well, you know, music and... What do you mean, what, what do you mean music? <laughs> what about? You know, music for me, if you've got no music in a production, theatre, film, TV, whatever it is, it you mm -hmm. lose exactly what that project's all about. And that's why I think... Yeah. You know the job that you're doing at Universal um, as a music supervision. We, we feel it's an integral part of the process because it's mm -hmm. it just is. It's it's an emotional part of music and music really touches well, it everyone. resonates with everybody, doesn't it? You know, it's a way of sending a message. However, you know, some people aren't so good at talking, but through music, we sort of seem to all connect, don't we? Yeah. So it's that's a good thing, definitely. Yeah, absolutely. So, leads on to nicely, really, Laura, obviously at Universal Music Production and the heritage that's evolved over decades of diverse and comprehensive collection of labels, really. Um, mm. I think offices in about 20 countries. So, do you have the opportunity to work in other countries? Like, could you go back to Denmark, for example, to work with Universal? And one day, would you think you get involved in other challenges in the music industry? Would you set up a publishing company or maybe a label or an agency? How would you sort of see that going in the next sort of few years really oh interesting um in terms of sort of location I mean yes under agreement there was just somebody who moved to the office in Israel because that was where he was from and he wanted to kind of lead that office there so it definitely has been um has been like people are moving around if it obviously fits for that person if it fits for the department and um, they've been very open about that and they're very accommodating um universal mm -hmm. as a company with that in terms of myself, I definitely see myself. I, I think I could own a label, yeah, or like maybe a publisher. Um, <laughs> but it's not really something I've planned at all right now. Um, but I definitely see myself being a business owner in the music industry of some sort um, in the future, leading the way, maybe. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. So how, um, you know, just say for example, you wanted to set a label up tomorrow, um, mm -hmm. Laura and you wanted to set it up in Denmark, what, what is the actual music scene like in Denmark? And could, could a label survive in Denmark? Is it, you know, how, how would that work over yeah. there? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I mean, of course it, of course it could, could survive um, in Denmark. I think it would depend whether or not it would be more on the, on like a commercial label, production label, because TV industry is everywhere. Of course it is. Yeah. So in terms yeah. of, I suppose, the financial and the, and the syncability, if that's a word, um, then music and sync can work anywhere. And it's there are obviously different territories that have different sounds, but they're also very classic, classic sounds that will go across the board in terms of like daytime TV for different ads and stuff. And the more I've learned about the sync and TV industry, the more I realize how actually no pun intended universal that sound is um so i definitely think that it it could survive but i guess and you know a label will never survive if there's no strategy behind it there need to be more than just great music you need to have a you know st marketing strategy how you're going to get out to people what makes you different tell a story and all that stuff that's attached to starting a business yeah, yeah. no absolutely yeah. I, I think um i, I sort of see 
the music supervision area, I suppose the last several years, to be honest with you, is sort of like a trailblazer for a label because I'm not saying labels have sort of sat on their laurels, but they tend to do rely on their back catalogue quite a lot. And um, I think music supervision is a new way of creating new music and actually helping to break new acts as well. Because if you've got a, a you know, what we mentioned earlier, a new indie act come to you or, or a, you know, a, a new female singer-songwriter that puts some music to you, who's to say they couldn't go in the next Coca-Cola advert? And then Universal say, well, actually, that's quite a nice artist. Um, maybe we'll sign that particular person or they could be, a, you know, as a staff writer. And I think that's, that for me is quite exciting um, on, on the music supervision side because I think the opportunities are, I mean, I may be wrong, but I just think the opportunities are quite endless really on that side of it. Mm. I agree with you. And I think it's, it's interesting how sometimes it's very bizarre, the music industry, sometimes you need to get external validation, but it's just a, another gateway, isn't it? To, to have your voice heard as an artist or a, a band or or agency, a brand that if you then have sort of collaboration or working together with different people, it can can bring you further. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, completely agree. And just looking at the obviously the COVID-19 situation mm-hmm. and how this has really changed the world, you know, for many, many people. How have you coped in this difficult time, Laura? And how's the working environment been like at Universal through the pandemic? Mm-hmm. Are you working from home at the moment? Yes, I'm working from home and we've been working from home since March and when the lockdown happened. And I must say that Universal has just been so good to everybody. They have been, we've, we have, our department have, you know, Zoom meetings quite often, check-ins and they have provided, you know, yoga, they've provided, um, they even are going to send us equipment so we can work from home, you know, so just helpful and, and just communicating really well with with what's going on and even the uncertainty because nobody's going to know what's going to happen but just hearing from somebody say oh we don't know yet but this is what we're going to do for now that can actually be quite a relief because when we're in certain times I'm like I don't even know if I if I have a job in like in a few months but being reassured that nobody's going to get furloughed that made me they gave me a peace of mind and Luckily for our department and in production music, most of us, we just need Wi-Fi and headphones. So it's been a really simple transition. I feel really grateful yeah. that that's been so easy. And then um, my partner and I moved in together because we were like, well, we're spending every day together anyway, so we might as well get together <laughs> for our lockdown. Yeah. So that's been quite nice, creating like a little home and, and having sort of like an office vibe, which has been really refreshing, not just sitting in my own little world getting insane after a while so having somebody there is is definitely been so good i think what we're going to see going forward laura and again you just touched on it is you know it's not been any different for me because i've worked from home for a long time and um i think we're going to see a lot more people doing that and i I think it also will cut down people's traveling time to work i know you still got that, that camaraderie of going into the office but to be honest with you the way the world is at the moment i think if you're getting out of bed in the morning and you just got to walk you know 10 seconds to your office (laughs) <laughs> you know that for me that sort of says a lot more really yeah. 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 I mean, yeah. technology now everybody can communicate around the world you can still get a job done you know you couldn't do that years ago so you know ha- how has it been with obviously the projects has it impacted the workflow would you say I mean obviously with content coming through with film tv productions or brands you know would you say that it has you've seen obviously reduction in that side of things I would have imagined but obviously it'd be interesting to hear your take on it mm. Yeah, I like that you asked that question because I think it's probably inevitable that 
you know, we, we did, it did feel a bit more quiet over like the spring and the summer, but it's weirdly picked up so quick. And I guess the good thing about being in, in TV and in sync is that people are still watching TV. People are watching more Netflix than ever or Amazon Prime or HBO, whatever, uh, Disney Plus, you name it. Um, so I guess it's it's a really interesting industry to be in where, for example, events or like the music industry from that perspective is just having to rethink everything. So if for our department, it hasn't changed that much. Of course, we have to do some things differently and make sure that we're actually getting our music out there. However, it hasn't been detrimental as it has probably for some industries and also for events and gigs and stuff which is really sad yeah no, no, no the live sector has really taken a hit you know theaters mm. and yeah it's it's a sh- it is such a shame really you know but um hopefully you know we will come out the other side you know in general and and things will improve you know just got to find that vaccine yeah yeah i think so and i think um again it's just really refreshing to hear that you've been looked after at Universal and, you know, there's constant communication and again, worrying about your job if you can have a job tomorrow or next week is mm. is not funny, to be honest with you. And within, I'll say within your younger years, Laura, as a young, as a young woman in this industry, what would be just your one piece of advice you would give people wanting to pursue a career as a music supervisor? Oh, um, or not, or not. <laughs> I, I think I have something to say, but I think it's going to be one of those, oh, I wish you didn't say that. Um, <laughs> there is a silver platter. I, what I would say is like, don't wait for an opportunity for you to get your arse in gear and start creating something. You know, if you want it, you know, if you know what you want, learn about it, educate yourself, get involved, connect with people that are like-minded Find people that are in that industry where you want to be and see if you can have a chat with them. There are a lot of networking events online. You know, learn the stuff and then you have the confidence to say, oh, do you know what? I can apply for this. I can get in touch with that. And as we all know, the more people you know in this industry, the better, because that means it might not be immediate. But down the line, if you got to know a couple of different people and they're like, oh, do you know what? I actually need somebody for this. I remember so-and-so and I'm going to get in touch so that's why I would say, don't wait for that opportunity. You need to create it because that's what that's I great. did. And look, look, you know, that's got me this far. <laughs> yeah, great yeah. advice. No, it's, it's, it's great advice. And I'm, and I'm going to echo that as well, um, Laura. I mean, when I worked at a couple of labels and went into the live sector, I was told then, and this mid-90s, create mm-hmm. something for yourself, Pete, because it's, you know, you're not just going to walk into a thousands and thousands of pounds a year job. You've got to create something for yourself. And I don't mm-hmm. think what, what I'm hearing you say, and that hasn't really changed. I think you've got to get off your backside, like you said, and create it, do it yourself. Mm. Yeah. yeah, I think that's maybe the backside of, of nowadays where we have that immediate gratification in a lot of things that we do. And then when something's a little bit harder, we just think it's not possible. Well, I'm just like, I'm, you know, no, then you try again or you try something else or, you know, it doesn't mean just because it has, doesn't happen the first time that it's never going to happen. Mm. Yeah, no, just no. never give up, isn't it? Just keep persevering through and, and then hopefully, you know, that one thing lands and you, and you never know. Sometimes it's when it's unexpected as well, isn't it? It's, mm-hmm. you know, it can be the most random moments in your life, but um, just take any opportunity that comes along really and just look at it. You know? Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Yeah, I think so. I think so. 
And just um, just looking actually, Laura, with the, obviously I'm, I'm sure you're very, very busy, but I mean, in your spare time, have you got any hobbies outside of the music industry? Um, yeah, I'm quite um, I'm quite into my health and my my fitness. That's definitely something that's been quite important to me in the past few years as well. So I'm a foodie. I love cooking and um, keeping myself fit. And then I'm also I'm very I'd say I'm quite entrepreneurial. I like I like reading and personal development, and learning. I like listening to podcasts and audiobooks and mm-hmm. and and things like that. Learning how to just keep a positive mindset has been has been a really interesting journey for me and I'm still exploring it obviously and then also I'm, I'm a bit I'm quite spiritual so it's been refreshing tapping into that throughout this crazy world we're in but what I've learned is that we can actually do a lot as individuals and and how can we make it a better place it sounds so cheesy when you say it out loud but how can we make this a better place for everybody or for more people and instead of thinking about me as an as an individual human, how can I think about the bigger picture? That's that's something I'm quite interested in in my spare time. And then I like reading about gut health because I'm a bit of a a health nerd. So I read books about <laughs> gut health okay. in my spare time. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Wow. Yeah, but again, it, it's I suppose using the word refresh again, Laura. It's just really nice because I think. So many people, you know, when whatever you do, whatever you're trying to create, whether you want to build a bakery or you want to sell a load of records, if you surround yourself with positive people, I think mm-hmm. I'm not saying anything can happen, but you certainly got a better chance than you would do. But as soon as you're in that environment where you've got one negative person comes into that space, and I've done a couple of podcasts, mm-hmm. I've sort of reiterated a few times, it can bring everybody down. And all you do is thinking about negativity because, honestly, people spread a bad word as quick as they will say a good word. And it mm. really, really frustrates me because I'm thinking, if someone gets up and has a go and they fail, who cares? But at least they've had a go at trying mm. to do something. Yeah, and then you learn something and you try again and you get better next time, right? It's it's everything. Yeah. And I, I really agree with you on that because you, I get what is to saying that you are the sixth person of what the five that you spend the most time with. So... You know, I want to spend my time with positive people that have, you know, the hat on like, yeah, let's try. I, I love that when you're with my partner, if I say I have an idea, he's like, all right, cool. What? How are you going to do that? But he's never he's never questioned like my idea or my vision or my dreams. Like, oh, you can't do that. It's more like, great. How are you going to do that? You know, let's find out a way to do that. And that's very, like you said as well, it's refreshing being surrounded by people who have that kind of mentality rather than, you know, oh, I don't know, but it's cold and it's difficult. It's like, yo, but let's find a way. Yeah, yeah, there's always a way. Yeah, <laughs> there's always a way. <laughs> there's, there's always a way, and there's, yeah. there's, there's you know many ways to skin a cat, as they say. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. Yeah. Not literally, obviously, but you know, just <laughs> no. metaphorically. Yeah. <laughs> but no, I think I think no, I think it's it's, it's really good here. And um, again, we all we're all in the same boat, and mm. it's not as if this is not affecting one person; it's affecting the whole world. I mean, I wouldn't want to be a prime minister or running a country, but I think there has probably been mismatch of information and it's confused some people and it's, you know, caused a lot of destruction well, in the world. I and, think mental know, health awareness now is yeah. bigger than ever, isn't it? Yeah. You know, it's a really, really big factor in a yeah. lot of people's lives and the awareness now is uh, really poignant, you know, so, uh, but got to keep, keep your head up and keep pushing forward. Definitely. And I suppose really just to sort of 
get to the next sort of sort of point, really, not really wrapping up, but where really can our listeners connect with you online? Website, social media? How do they pick their music to you, Laura? Um, I think the easiest thing would be to find me on LinkedIn. However, everybody can always just, I guess, if you know the good thing about being on this podcast, if you're listening, then you can get my email, which is laura, L-A-U-R-A dot Hank. So that's H-A-N-K-E at umusic.com. So that's the letter U, music.com. Always more than welcome to to drop a question or a submission for music um, or anything that you think that might be able to help with, of course. No, I think yeah. I think that'd be really good because there's lots of different acts and people that we know. And mm-hmm. sometimes I think they've got a potential lifeline where they can actually at least pitch their music or have an opportunity. And I think that that goes a long way, mm-hmm. to be honest with you. It really does. For sure. Yeah. And I think when you look back and I guess we all have that when we've tried something new and I look back and there were people that were willing to help me and that made the world of difference to me. So, you know, that's that's what I want to put forward, you know, being that like handle. Yeah, I'll give you some information or tips or connect you to somebody that I think might be able to help or whatever. Yeah, it's really good to know, actually, because I think some people are afraid sometimes to send music to especially big corporations because they just think, is their music going to get looked at is it going to just get thrown mm-hmm. to the side and have it you know hearing you today uh, you, you can completely hear that you genuinely want to help people and you give people consideration of their music and you'd give feedback and that that's all sometimes I think that people want sometimes just to have that recognition isn't it so yeah being acknowledged being listened to because just like you said I like that you said that because it can be so easy to get just getting like drowning and there's like massive pond of fish well actually it, it doesn't need to be that way um, at least i no. like to think so no it doesn't and i think um and i think on the outside when you look at big corporations and you think oh i, I can't walk in that door or they're never going to listen to me well actually if you don't try and you, and you don't i always believe if you if you conduct yourself properly mm-hmm. and you do the basic things like please and thank you and you've got a smile on your face and you're just trying to be positive then i do believe everyone should have a shot and I think you've got more of an opportunity and I've said that to bands all the way down the line don't expect to walk into you know Universal and get a multi-million pound deal because you're not but day one you're not but day five you might or day six you might get something that's you know a sink in a in a, in a computer game or you know an mm-hmm. online online project you just don't know yeah. um, I think people are far easier to give up than they are to keep moving forward because if they don't get it day one they can't be bothered day two. And I think that's, you, you've got to keep going. you just got to keep moving mm. forward. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we've had this sort of conversation before, you know, haven't we, on previous podcasts, you know, on, with some of the film productions or whether it is, you know, from writing books, you know, sometimes these people have, it could be the copyright holder of a, of a book, for example, but it's taken, say, you know, up to 20 years for it to actually come to fruition. You know, I know that's an extreme case, but, you know, things do take time. And I think that's one of the things we're really strong on is that you, you do it. Just You just need to keep pushing forward and gradually it will keep building and building until you land that massive placement, for example, you know. Mm-hmm. So anything's possible, but it just takes time. It just takes time. Definitely does. And I guess it's, again, touching upon the thing, like if, if you don't ask or try, the answer will always be no. And I would rather try and get a no than not try at all, because at least then I know and I can use that feedback for something. Then sitting back wondering, like, oh, what if I had tried? What if I walk in that door? What if I ask the question? Exactly. And with big corporations, Laura, and people seeing big corporations, they don't actually see the person. 
you know, if you're lucky enough to be in front of a chairman or, or a managing director for a big record company, nine times out of ten, they're really nice people. Mm. And they would always say, they would always, I've always tend to find, they would always point you in the direction to say that I can't help you on this, but what I will do, I'll introduce you to X, Y, Z, who can help you. And you think, well, that's all I've asked for, really. That's great. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. So I think we put the world to rights, really. To be honest <laughs> <Yeah>. with <you. laughs> I know, we could talk all day about all this. <laughs> I mean, it's been an absolute pleasure to talk to you today, Laura. And, you know, thank you for joining us on the Entertainment Engine. It was really great that you were, you were able to come on and, and got the green light from your team at Universal, which I think was really positive. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. It's been really interesting. Yeah, it's been a real pleasure, Laura. And, uh, you know, just delving back into your background has just been really interesting and what you're doing at Universal. So, uh, yeah, thank you for that and taking the time. And thank you for shining more light on, on this industry. It's, it's really exciting. We really enjoyed our chat today with Laura. It shows you what you can achieve with a great mindset and a dose of determination. And of course, a little luck thrown into the mix. Universal Music is one of the biggest companies in the world and with plenty of opportunities for Laura to push forward with. So if you're looking to build on your entertainment career within music supervision, then Laura shares some great tips and advice to help you move forward. And now it's that moment again this week I'm going over to Bex for our question of the day. Let's have a quick recap onto last week's question. In which fictional town is Netflix show Stranger Things mostly set? And the answer is... The town of Hawkins, located in rural Indiana. We just want to give a big thanks to everyone who sent in their answers and especially Jamie and Claire, all the way from LA, who loves Stranger Things. It's one of their favourite shows. Well, that's all for today's episode of The Entertainment Engine. And thanks for listening. Join us again next week when we delve into more areas of the entertainment industry for our listeners. So make sure you subscribe to the podcast and follow The Entertainment Engine on Facebook and Twitter for all the latest updates. It would be great to have your feedback on the show. So you can always drop us a message at any time. That'd be great. Thanks for listening to the show and stay safe. The Entertainment Engine.